old people. Back again. The Hangtime Podcast crew. Yeah. Thank you, Smith, of the Hangtime blog. Vince Thomas, my partner in crime, who, uh, Vince? Uh, What's up, man? What, you, you sound like you're distant. You're not here with me. I, yeah, I man. I, I, unfortunately, I couldn't be in the uh, in the studio with you this time. That's, that's sad news because we got a, yeah. a fantastic show lined up. Jamel Hill of ESPN is joining us today along with the infamous Charlie <laughs> Murphy of uh, Chappelle Show fame. Yo, that's it, yeah. Uh, but, but hold on, I, like that's, that's all you have to say? Just like, yeah, that's too bad? And then yeah, you that's just, too bad. You just roll on, huh? Well, I mean, you know, you out there in your jams uh, and your flip-flops out there in, in La La Land going Hollywood. Yeah, baby. Us, man. What's up with that? Hollywood swinging. What's up? <laughs> what's, what's going on back in Atlanta? Clouds. Yeah? Clouds and cold. Oh, that's too bad, man. Blue skies, 80 degrees, Pacific breeze. You know, every everything is lovely over here. Well, you know, you know what a real friend would do, Vince. And I, I know you don't have many of these, but you know what a real <laughs> friend would do. <laughs> What's up? He would go to the store, Word. get a can of sunshine, uh-huh. and make sure you get it back with you when you come back to town. Okay. Bring that. If you don't show up next week with a can okay. of sunshine, troubles. But troubles. you know, but who who says phrases like "can of sunshine"? Though you see, that's just you telling how young you are. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I got a can of sunshine as a gift. In the 80s. Word? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, it's no joke. Okay. Don't yeah. say can of sunshine ever again. No, I'm serious. It's, they sold this stuff, dude. They sold can of sunshine? When Ronald Reagan was president, you could oh, buy God. a can of sunshine in California and ship it to your relatives in ugly places like, you know, Buffalo and uh, Grand Rapids. What exactly was a can of sunshine? Who knows? I never opened it, but it said can of sunshine okay. on the outside. That's all, that's all I, okay. I felt good. That's all I needed. All right. <laughs> I'm gonna bring it back. By the time I by the time I get back to Atlanta, we should be in full time in, 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 in full time uh, spring mode, right? I hope so. I hope so. It's, it's, it's listen, whatever. and by the time you get back here, mm-hmm. uh, you know we'll have we'll have worked out all of the glitches here in this final four. I've, it's tournament time still. I mean, every time we look up, it's a new round of drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this NCAA tournament, um, yeah, and now we're down to the to the last four teams. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the field, but the 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 what's left of the field. I'm I'm looking for lottery picks and you know future NBA superstars. I don't see any. Uh, uh, I mean, nah. And he, he, that that's what I, I guess that's the appeal of the tourney. You know what I'm saying, say, but it's also you know, for for just straight up and down basketball hoops fans like us. That's also like a drawback. I mean, a a good tournament. It doesn't matter if the players are necessarily of future pro caliber. It's just you know the drama. Um, but when I look at Michigan State, Duke, Butler, no, you know West Virginia. I don't really see any lottery picks. I do see some pro players, but but no lottery picks. But that does, that doesn't necessarily mean that the the, the final four is going to be whack, though. You right, know, right? I mean, listen, there are fantastic stories and fast fantastic players on on all four teams: Butler, uh, Michigan State, Duke, and West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, Deshaun Butler, a guy, honest to goodness, had not heard of before this season. I or, like him a lot. Or if I, at least if I'd heard his name, I didn't really. I couldn't have picked him out of a lineup. Mm-hmm. This dude is my favorite player I, I've seen in the tournament this year. I mean, and I'm talking all the way back to the Big East tournament. Baller. Yo, the, the, I, I really love um, Bob Huggins. I know not everybody is a fan of him, but I was just looking at that um, that uh, West Virginia team, and uh, although it's not, you know, exactly reminiscent of that Cincinnati squad from back in the early 90s, 
It, it does bear some resemblance, I, but but it made me think about that Cincinnati squad with Nick Van Exo and Corey Blount. Bob Huggins has always had some gangster squads. I like that about him, you know? That's just who he is, though. I mean, he coaches a team, and you know that old saying about teams taking on the personality of their coach? Mm-hmm. You know, you would you would not swing on Bob Huggins late at night uh, in a dark alley. You think he can make it in our league, in the NBA? Huggins? Yeah. I, I think so. I, I, th- I, think, I think players he's will that respect kind him. of dude. Yeah, I think he's the kind of dude that will command some some uh, instant respect from guys. Mm-hmm. But I also think this: if you watch his teams and watch how they play, they don't play with a fear of Bob Huggins. They play with a mutual respect for each other, and that's to me that's the big difference. These college coaches who coach, you know, and everything is based out of fear, that doesn't translate at the pro level. I mean, you can look at football and any other sport. It's hard to do that at the pro level. Um, mm-hmm. But you know. Who knows? I, I think the good thing about Huggins is he's not preoccupied with trying to trying to do that. He, I don't think it's a big deal to him, you know, whether he was coaching high school ball or West Virginia or the Nets. Yeah, you know, he's going to do his thing. What about Coach K? I mean, Coach K doesn't need to make it at the NBA level. Cat's got gold medals and stacks of money and all that good stuff. He's he's better. He's he's bigger than an NBA coach in a lot of respects. It's only a few NBA coaches that could hold up. Resumes with with Krzyzewski. and 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 that make that dough yeah. as well. You know what I'm saying? But I I I, I got more respect, um, acquired more respect for Coach K after the Dream Team experience, the Redeem, excuse me, the Redeem Team yeah, experience. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. You know uh, that was that was blasphemy. But <laughs> you, you, because I, I didn't necessarily know if Coach K, my thing with college coaches is that there's a specific personality type that college coaches acquire, you know what I mean, in terms of the the kind of authority that they have that doesn't always translate when it comes to pro basketball players. And a lot of people like to, you know, say that, that it's because it's a money issue, but it's not a money issue. It's a maturity issue. Like NBA coaches are coaching grown men and college coaches coach boys. And I didn't know if uh, Coach K, if that would translate to the to, to to pro players, but they love him. Yeah, well, I mean, I I think you could uh, people would argue argue down about whether or not college coaches are coaching boys and NBA coaches are are dealing with grown men. In a lot of cases, I don't think there's that big a difference between the the maturity. Wait, wait, whoa, 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 no, let's just about? be realistic. What? Come on, come on, Vince. No difference between college I players the, and professional. What are you crazy? Maturity level. Listen, tap that tap that miracle there and listen to what I said. <laughs> but listen, you you babbling on out there. You probably you know. No, 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 wait, 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 wait. Make your point before we go on. No, no. Make, what, what are you talking about? I said maturity level. There's 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 a razor thin line between the maturity level for a lot of a lot of the players on both levels. I don't think there's some drastic difference in terms of who you're dealing with personality wise and temperament wise from the from elite college basketball to the NBA. Listen to be to continued, the, dude. Because I, I, I totally disagree. To be continued. Look, That's crazy. Listen. But I'm 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 done fussing with you. Let's let's bring in somebody who might have a, a different perspective on. You're out of your mind, by the way. You know, a, a much different, much more seasoned perspective than young Vince. <laughs> Here you go, young always Vince. clowning me like I'm a kid. Okay. We got we got ESPN.com columnist and uh, ESPN television analyst Jamel Hill is joining us now. Jamel, you know, drop some knowledge on Vince for me, please. Because I mean, you know what? I, I totally agree with you. By the way, is that- get out of here. 
I do. And, and you know, if it's, you, you, you clearly didn't listen to what he said. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you do realize that some of these NBA coaches are coaching like 19 and 20-year-olds. I mean, LeBron, you know, he was, what, 18 when he got exactly. to the league? I mean, look at Dwight Howard. The, okay, because I know we're going to talk about him. Dwight Howard, as you often have said to me privately, is, is doing soldier boy dances. Okay, he's 18 <laughs> and 19. All right? And 18 and 19 in college – they were doing soldier boy dances and wearing long tees. That's what they were doing. First of all, hold on, hold on. Hold, I'm interrupting you. First of all, what's up, big sis? How you doing? <laughs> what's up? And second of all, don't preface comments with, as you said to me privately, and then put me on blast in public. <laughs> well, I like you've that. Said it, you've said it publicly, too. So and, that's why I was like, I mean, you know, that's why I could put you on blast about that. I mean, I know it, it was a while ago back Whatever. In, in that particular phase. But, but, but hold on. You, you, it's a, like you guys are taking like the, the uh, draftees, you know, and one and two year players, and making it seem like that is eighty percent of the of the NBA. The majority of NBA players are grown men. So when I talk and, and when I talk about only coaches, on their license, Vince, only uh, on their license. What, oh, what do you what? Oh, this is ridiculous for you all to be saying that uh, an NBA coach, for the most part, is dealing with. The kids, like college no, no, no. coaches, are. Are you said, come on? Said that's the ridiculous. Temperament and maturity level, right? It's, it's, it's a different thing. We're not talking about well, the physical skills or the, the you know, the offensive arsenal or something. I'm talking about strictly the the personality and the temperament level of the players you're dealing with. There's not a drastic difference between elite level college players and NBA players on these teams. Oh, really? Well, then, well, then why did the league? Average age is twenty-three years. Why I mean, did Why did the league Why did the league mandate an age requirement if that's the case? To keep well, cats like you on the sidelines. Yeah, right. On. Exactly. Well, well, so why Why do you guys? But Jamel Sekou, why do you guys think that college coaches don't make it in the NBA? Then. Well, I think I mean that part of your argument I did agree with about sort of um, their temperament being more of the issue. I mean, when you when you're used to being in control of every part of a of a team down to who you get versus um, who you recruit, yeah. what style you run. College coaches just have much more authority, and they're comfortable with that. In the NBA, you're, the difference is in the NBA, you could get a dude that's 19 and definitely thinks and behaves and is mature like he's 19, but you can't do anything about it because the GM drafted him or and the GM has told you, hey, you better make this work, and you already know in your mind that player, it's a player's league. That player is going to outlast you. So you have really, you know, you have to manage the situation a little bit differently. Where in college, it, you know, look at Izzo this year, um, who another guy I know we're going to talk about. I mean, he benched Darrell Summers, you know, arguably his best player. Him and Kaitlin Lucas have been going at it. In the NBA, that coach gets fired for doing that, and yeah. that's why they don't make it. Uh, no, okay, well, I, I, I don't, I, I don't agree that, uh, a coach in the M- I, I don't agree that the the, the temperament well, okay I'm sorry I'm I'm, I'm, listen, I'm babbling I do agree, agree with it okay hold you on I do agree with the temperament <laughs> issue but I think that the temperament issue is a product of who they're coaching not necessarily the range of authority that they have. This is why you're wrong. Okay. <laughs> I, love, I, okay. I love any Tell answer that wrong. starts with this is why you're wrong, my this favorite. Is, this is why you're wrong and, and <laughs> underestimating the power of authority. What do you know, by the way? You never co- covered college basketball. Uh, hello. Wow. Check the resume, son. I wow. covered colleges for six years. I know. Okay, okay. Wow, Vince, so why am I wrong? Why am I wrong? Wow. Okay, this is why you're wrong. 
that authority means everything. When you know a college coach ultimately controls your playing time, whether or not you get a scholarship. Remember, these scholarships are renewable year to year. Why is it that when a coach is really um, – when a coach is on the hot seat or he gets fired, you don't hear about all the stuff that he was – bad at or the things that he's criticized from from his players until after he leaves. Exactly. And it's because they know that he ultimately has the last say. Anybody that comes to Michigan State's program, they know Tom Izzo runs this. He's going to be here. I can't get him out of his job. There's nothing that I could do to get this man fired. So I have to go along. Jamil, you're talking in cliches right now. That's all you're doing. You're talking in cliches. It's the truth. Who has more power at Kentucky, John Wall or or John Calipari? Great point. Oh, great, great point. Why is that a great point, Seiko? Jamel, answer the question. Jamel, 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 okay, John Calipari has more exactly. power. Right, okay, exactly. Exactly. And, Jamel, you got to understand, Vince. This is the world according to Vince, and we go through this <laughs> daily down here. This man has a warped sense of how things are supposed to work, and it's beautiful because it's like this fairy tale land. I wish he had his own reality show. You know the world according well, to Vince. Whoa, 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 whoa. This what, doesn't work like that. reality. Yeah, this it's it's not like an that. opinion, man. <laughs> yeah, a wrong opinion, as Jamel <laughs> pointed out. So, so aptly. okay, Jamel, okay, listen, wrong. Okay, Jamel, but I, I want to ask you a quick question. I mean, your history, uh, you know, runs deep, obviously, at Michigan State. Um, you know, not only covering the Spartans when they won their first championship, am I right? Yep. But That's also right. being an undergrad there. It, it's painful for me to admit it as a Michigan man that that Michigan State has overtaken my Wolverines in just about every facet. But do you think that Izzo's decision to stick around this long at Michigan State has anything to do with the fact that he didn't want to relinquish that kind of authority when those NBA teams came calling? And do you think his his abilities translate to the pro level? Um, that's a great question. I, I'm not sure. I think control is a big part of it. I also think family is a big part of it. I mean, he's never left the state right. for anything. I mean, he grew up there in Iron Mountain. Uh, his parents, family, everybody's there. He's been in Michigan State since basically he was a kid cutting his teeth, and he's found he feels very loyal to him. You know, people. Mm-hmm. Um, Izzo is kind of Izzo's the kind of guy. He's always going to see himself as the the small-time coach who Michigan State gave a chance, and, you know, he's been successful ever since. So he feels a great deal of loyalty. And I know there's these reports um, that Oregon uh, has offered him a contract. Which is ridiculous. Yeah, it is ridiculous. And I would be utterly – I would be stunned if he ever left Michigan State to coach at another university. Now, the NBA, that's different because I think, you know, the Hawks, you know, when they brought him in – after the NBA, uh, after they won the, uh, after Michigan State won the NCAA title, right. I think it, it it really intrigued him because at, at that point, no college coach um, had won a NCAA title and an NBA championship, which Larry Brown I think has done now. So mm-hmm. you you know that was a big challenge for him, and I think he relished the idea of proving wrong to people that his temperament could work, and he's doubted down a lot. I mean, well, I, but what, what did, wait, Jay, what is his temperament though? Like, what, well, like, describe his temperament. Well, he is, like a lot of, you know, coaches, I mean, he's he's sort of crazy. And <laughs> <laughs> but yes. it's, in a good, it's in a good way because, like, me and him, like, we have gotten into, you know, arguments over, you know, something I wrote or something I reported. And he's a he's an old-school coach in the sense that he respects people that go back at him. And so we've gotten to our little disagreements, and it's been fine the next day. That's how he likes it, kind of a back and forth. You know, Mateen Cleaves 
will tell you the story about him, how him and Izzo cussed each other out on a regular basis because they both were very similar personalities, but Izzo really respected that about him. So he likes he likes tough players. He, you know, he really values toughness, but he's also a very, very straight shooter. You know, if you're not any, at any good at something, you know, uh, he's not going to tell you you are just to kind of sucker you in. It's, I know some Which of is weird, but that's weird on, 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 a, on a recruiting level yeah, because, I mean, I, I think he dominates Michigan in, in terms of recruiting. But, he, but like, he hasn't, he, he hasn't really had, like, any, like, ridiculous blue chip over the past 10 years, though. You know? No, no. He he does prefer people from the Midwest, and I think the reason he prefers those recruits is because they're typically from areas like Flint, like Saginaw, that that have a certain toughness and a blue collar mentality. The kids from those areas are used to being discounted and used um, and used to people thinking the worst of them. So they come to him with a chip on their shoulder, and he likes that. You know, you guys were talking about Bob Huggins. I think Bob Huggins is the same way. He likes kids that fit a certain attitude, and there are certain cities, states, where you can get that particular attitude. John Wall and Tom Izzo probably wouldn't mix. <laughs> mm-hmm. say, I, I, say, I like, I like Izzo like, in, the, in the NBA. Izzo wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. You like him in the NBA, then? Uh, yeah, I, I, what do you think? I do. I, I, would, um, I would like him in the NBA. I don't know. I'm, I'm I don't know. I think it depends on the team, too. Yeah. You know, I mean – because he does not also take losing well. And I, I've seen those games where he's broken clipboards, where he has, mm-hmm. like, literally almost had a stroke on the sideline because somebody didn't do an entry pass the right way. So <laughs> I don't know if that's going to cut it in the NBA. You know, he would need a very mature team. Um, I think he would he could deal with young guys. Somehow he is able to relate to them, uh, despite the fact that he has these very old-school values. But it would really take the, the the right situation. Would he work and say, you know, I got to think, what's the worst team in the NBA right now? Uh, the, the, the Nets. Yeah, Did you have to ask that question? Yeah, what's yeah. the worst team in the NBA? Are you serious? I know, right? <laughs> How did I forget that that quickly? Would he work? Would he work with them? Maybe. I don't you know. know. They, I don't know about I don't that. Know. Just, I, Jamel, just, I had yeah. a long. Steve Smith and I had a long conversation about it this morning. I, NBA TV analyst and uh, colleague here. Stop uh, name dropping, dude. Smith. No, I mean it's, it's serious. <laughs> We had a we had a long discussion about this morning, including my uh, bet. We, we he and I have a wager now. If Michigan State wins the Final Four, I gotta become a car carrying Spartan fan for the next year. So cross your fingers that Michigan State somehow loses this weekend. Um, <laughs> but we had a we had a long discussion about what constitutes, you know, a, a good coach or a great coach at any level. And is it, you know, you people talk about Phil Jackson. They argue about Shashevsky and whether these guys whether or not these guys could win at the different levels. Bill Roden from the New York Times, if you give me a second, he wrote a really interesting column today just asking these coaches that are in the Final Four about how these teams got here. And let me let me read to both of y'all what Krzyzewski said and then tell me what y'all think. You can read, dude? Yeah, we do that in Grand Rapids. Not, I know they don't do that in Buffatucky, but it's kind of fun. <laughs> well, that, oh, yo, that's not going to become Buffalo's name, yo. Yeah. Like, let's drop that right now. It's there already. Listen, <laughs> so Krzyzewski says, I think it starts with trust from the time they were freshmen, talking about his current team. Um, we've been together for a long time, and we not only like one another, but we respect one another and we trust one another. You can say things in a moment that you might not say to other people in the manner in which you would say it, whether it be in anger, in joy, or whatever. You can express emo- your emotions right away with them. We have those types of relationships. I think in order to be a consistent winner, it has to start with trust. And he said that to Bill Roden of the New York Times. Does that make sense to y'all, in t- not just at the college level, but at the pro level as well, these teams that win championships, 
it starts with a certain building block of trusting each other as players, as coaches. That's the only way you really win big. Well, can I, can I jump in here? Yeah, I, one of the things, one of the things that I loved from last, it wasn't, it might have been last year. Um, and I'm not trying to start anything, but it's when Shaq said that Stan Van Gundy was a master of panic. No. <laughs> I love that, and I and, and I, I think that in the, the in a larger context, the reason why that was such a compelling comment is because NBA coaches. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's just a matter of trust, but it's a it's a combination of trust and respect. The think about who's won the last what uh, ten years, Phil or who's won Phil Jackson, Greg Popovich, um, Larry, Larry Brown. Brown, and Doc Rivers. All four of those coaches had an extreme amount of respect and trust from their players, and I think that when you look at this year's team, the question you have to ask yourself, this year's, this year's um, teams, the question you have to ask yourself is, Mike Brown, does he have trust and respect? You know, George Kyle, does he have trust and respect? I, I don't Stan know. Stan Van Gundy? Stan Van, I don't know. The millennium, Stan Van Gundy? Well, that's a, um, that's a great question, and I do think, uh, you know, there are diff- different layers of trust. There's trust that this person actually knows what they're doing, there's trust that in, um, I guess, moments of panic, as Shaq would have alluded to. He's a master of panic. Is, it, is, it, is this guy going to be able to kind of think their way out of it or help us to at least believe that we can do it? And, you know, sort of relating this back to Tom Izzo, I mean, I think that is why he typically goes on these runs in March. It, you can't. It's hard not to look at his record if you're a player and say, this guy isn't going to be able to do this or – you know, when it's a all their games, they've won by a total of 12 points. That means in a close situation, this guy could come up with something, and you guys are going to win. That goes a long way with a player. And if you look at the teams that are continually um, have a lot of talent but wind up, you know, kind of becoming disappointment, I think that trust is missing, be it in, in other players or be it in the coach themselves. Do you think that the trust factor is more important amongst players in a locker room or between players and coaches? Because it is a player's league. And well, I mean, the reason I say that is because a lot of times players band together in the NBA. Like, it's you know, we put up with this guy we don't like or don't like as much as we like this other guy, and we play for each other as opposed to playing for our coach. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where, where is it more important, that connection? Is it the between player-coach or amongst men in a locker room? It, 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 it depends. It, 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 it depends because I think that if you have – if if you have a, a player that is um, charismatic uh, enough to be a, you know a pie piper of sorts, then I think that you can overcome a lack of trust between the players and, and the coach. Um, for instance, a LeBron. Like I mean, on a lot of levels, Le, LeBron is 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 sort of like the coach of that team. I think if you have a personality like that, who is not only um, dominant but is also um, engaging, and and the players actually like him and, and will and will play for him. Then I think that you can overcome that. But there is only one LeBron. You know what I mean? And a lot of the superstars in this league, I don't necessarily they're they're not LeBron. Kobe Bryant is not LeBron. I think you need a Phil Jackson See, in the Lakers scenario. You know? Well, I mean, uh, the, the time thing out. though, time um, out. What? What, dude? Time Jamel, out. What? Jamel, you know, I'm I'm sure my hearing aid worked good, but did he just say. You said 
Kobe is not LeBron, and and I'm I want to make sure I understand the context in which you said that. So clarify for me, Vince. You say Kobe's not LeBron, so you don't think Kobe could play for a coach like Mike Brown and be the Pied Piper that LeBron is for his team? Is that, I mean, is that what you're getting at? Well, tap your miracle ear now. <laughs> how, how, did you, how did you hear that? I just heard you say what, Kobe what is not LeBron. Like, Kobe is not LeBron. Well, I mean, okay. To, well, to be honest, I do think Whoa, 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 whoa. Let, let, let me explain, Jay. Let me explain okay, for a quick second. Right. She didn't come here to listen to us. Hold on, wait, hold on, wait. I don't want people thinking that I don't think that Kobe Bryant is the player that LeBron is. Well, you just said that. That's why I Well, no, asking. what I said is that Kobe Bryant is not the person. Um, the Laker teammates do not like Kobe like the Cavs teammates like LeBron, period. So what I'm you you we're talking about you know players playing for other players or players playing for the coach right and I think that in the Cleveland scenario mm-hmm. those players like LeBron so much and respect him so much that I can see them doing all they can to literally win for LeBron I don't know if Kobe Bryant has that same relationship with his players which is why I think that Phil Jackson is necessary in Los Angeles okay, no, that, that Jay, makes perfect go. sense that makes perfect sense okay I just needed you to clarify that's all I was asking. Right. Well, no, I was actually going to back him up and say the same thing. I mean, I think you're seeing different personality uh, types, and that's why, uh, you know, with LeBron, he can corral, I think, a bunch of people and get them to sort of play for him. Absolutely. Said. Whereas I think with Kobe, um, you know, he's a little bit more um, Debo. of a separate yeah. Yes, and he's a Debo. <laughs> and, and granted, don't get me wrong, you know, hey, they played uh, the Bulls, played for Mike under the same circumstances. Right. Hold on, Jay. Jay, can I ask you this though? Mm. What about Dwight Howard? Is anyone and will anyone ever play for Dwight Howard? My answer: No. Okay. I w- I would agree with you, and but I will say this: I mean, you know, I'm just as hard on him as anybody. You've been hard on him, you know. A lot of people have. I have seen him take really profound steps for him to uh, in terms of leadership. He's never going to be a LeBron type of leader. Like, and he's never even going to be a Kobe type of leader. Like, he just doesn't fit into that. I think he's the way, the best way he can lead is by example. And he actually talked about it on uh, one of our pregame shows about how a Donald Foyle, who is a very good leader, but, you know, obviously he's towards the end of his career, so it's a different impact. Uh, they had a conversation, and he said that a Donald told him that, you know, sometimes the guys just don't know how to take you seriously because. And warm-ups, you're laughing, you're goofing around, you're singing songs, you're doing all this other stuff, and we're trying to get prepared for the game. And so you become a distraction as opposed to um, an addition to what they're trying to do. And I, and he, It's got to stop. Say, yeah, no, say, it's got to stop, man. Yeah, I mean, he was he was dead on. And, I, and that's been my criticism of him as well, is that sometimes his behavior is a little bit too teenage given what he's trying to accomplish. Now, I've seen him cut out a lot of that. And I think that's why um, a part of the reason why they're really playing very, very good basketball uh, right now. And before when they were kind of going through these weird ups and downs, they've leveled out and they've been a lot more consistent, and I think that's why. So he's led them in that respect by example. But I think for Orlando ultimately to maybe overcome that hump, they're going to at some point need somebody to assume a more dominant, um, impactful leadership role. That's that's interesting too because – for all the stuff that LeBron does, you know, the picture taking and the dance that they do, he doesn't get the same kind of uh, criticism for that. Like I'm talking about, nobody says LeBron is being immature. They just says he's being playful and silly. They don't. They talk about it when, in Dwight Howard's context, like he still has a lot of growing up to do. 
But well, in LeBron's think, case, it's not. It's usually not qualified like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's a good point. Well, I mean, because I, 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 watch I the, the game. Is, is, is definitely like the technical. I mean, right. you know, that, right. that is that – is, well, I don't even know why he's even engaging, stuff like that. You know, the technicals. And like you know, this thing with Shaq, and right. you know, it was just it was just other things that you know, like LeBron wouldn't do that. Yeah, LeBron's a playful guy, and he's definitely a guy that people just generally enjoy their company. And I'm not trying to let, say let, that. Let, let me, Jay. Let me way, jump in. Can I jump in here? Yeah, go ahead. I think that this was an iconic moment when the when the Cavs played the Lakers, right? And remember, like the 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 Staples crowd. Um, got just incensed, and they started throwing things on the court. Do you guys remember this? I be- it might, it was I think it was it was either a, a TNT game or a Christmas Day game, and because the Cavs were blowing LA out, it actually was the Christmas Day game, and um, LeBron in the middle of all this. Um, start, started calling his teammates over to him, like you know, come, come, come on, let's get in the huddle. And you saw his hands motioning, like you know, let's calm down and just, let's just play this game and get on out of here with this win. That is something that Dwight Howard, I have, I've, I've never seen him do that, and that's why I think that even though LeBron is playful and LeBron at times can even be childish, I don't think that he gets the the tag that Dwight Howard gets because I, I have not seen Dwight Howard yet have one of those um, leadership moments that, you know, exhibits to all that this is his team. Yeah, usually it's the other way around. Like with the technicals, they're trying to calm him down. Right. You know what yes, I mean? and, yes. And so that's a big part of it. And plus, I, I think LeBron, even though he is those things you said in terms of being playful and, and sometimes childish, he has a meanness about him to his game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like an edge where that he just, Debo. Just like that, that 48 points he put up on the Pistons that I think was a really banner moment for him. That's when LeBron got angry and mm-hmm. got into, well, I'm not letting us lose. And Dwight, Dwight, sometimes you see that, and then sometimes you don't. You know what, what I mean? What about, what about a, Carmelo? Listen, what, what, about, what about Carmelo, Sekou? Listen, but, Vince, hmm. in Dwight's defense, and I'm not here to defend anybody, he showed enough of it to get rid of the Cavaliers in the playoffs last no, year. So no, I'll, no, 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 no. Don't, don't even go there. No, now. he didn't. They had no answer for him in the playoffs. Uh, but say, cool. That's not leadership, dude. That's play. I mean, Dwight. I, I mean, I'm not trying to get. I'm not trying to bash to Dwight Howard either. I know, but, but I'm saying, what more? Listen, they got to these conference finals with him doing it his way. I don't know what more. You know, got to the NBA finals. Excuse me. They got past Cleveland. You know, doing it Dwight's way. So I'm do you saying, think I don't Dwight? Know do you do you think Dwight Howard as presently? Personality constituted. I don't know, don't know, I know if that him. made any sense. Do you think that he'll ever win a championship? I don't. I don't know that I need him to be what he is right now to win me a championship because I know he's going to mature and evolve like all players do. I, I mean, Michael Jordan. Every player in the history of the game has had the same issues. No, yeah, no, they have. no. They've always had these questions about their maturity and are they are they mean enough? Do all the great players always have these same no, questions? No, but they didn't linger on no, for this no amount of time, though, Sekou. About Jordan. No one ever yes. said that he wasn't mean enough. They just said that he shot too much. No, there, was, no, there was a maturity <laughs> question about Jordan. Like, but but was, Sekou, was that how people long? Asked, listen, Vince, people asked when Jordan was young, and I, Vince, I know you were wearing diapers when this was going oh, on. Oh, God. I actually watched it. People <laughs> asked, does Jordan have the kind of game that can allow his teammates to breathe around him, or is he going to be a guy – who's flashing in the gold chains and mink coats and scoring a lot of points, and is that going to satisfy him? But say, cool, how long questions. will it linger? You don't know, but there are always questions. Dwight Howard six years into his career. That's what I'm saying. So, I mean, so when, is it, when is he going to turn the corner? Who knows? I mean, but I don't I, think, yo, I don't no, think I'm going to book on him right now. 
Well, I, I, I don't think that we should close the book, but I'm saying that six years in, I think that it's it, it, it's it's starting to turn from a question to an indictment. And and I, I just want to bring another player into this conversation. We don't um, have time for you to bring another player in. Well, I, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it anyway. Howard because needs a life coach, Vince. Oh, hold, on, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Carmelo Anthony, right? I think that if you didn't have a leader the caliber of Chauncey Billups on that on that, on that Denver team, that we would still be, you know, asking Carmelo questions as well. I think there are very few championship caliber leaders in the league. Uh, I think you raise a, a good point. And, uh, you know, listen, we could raise these questions up about everybody who's yet to win a title. You know, that's the, that's the real issue is Very what true. validates it. Mm-hmm. You know, did Charles Barkley have these same questions about him? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, maturity-wise, and was he willing to sacrifice and do the things as a leader that it would take to get his team to that next level? You can always ask that question about the guys who haven't won one or have yet to win one. Although the, the most of the guys that had to go against Mike were given that exoneration of having to go against Mike. <laughs> yeah, they got the Mike the Michael uh, get out of jail free card. Yeah, you know. exactly. So I, I don't give him. To... I don't give him that. We I don't give him that. We, I mean, but you know, but leadership. Honestly, what he brought up about Carmelo is, I think, a very salient um, point because I, you know, I, I I think there are different types of leaders, but that doesn't mean you can only win one way. Exactly. I think Dwight Howard has a very good chance of winning a championship. I think Dwight Howard is as easy a player to build a championship team around right now in the league other than LeBron. No, I, I, that is ridiculous. I would, I would I think, agree. I, I think would you totally can build that is ridiculous. Because think about it, Vince. You can get a wing player that's an elite caliber player to play with Dwight and not take anything away from his game. Okay, okay. It's not as easy to okay. do when you talk about putting two guys who need the ball in their hands. I got you. Or two guys that play in the same space on the floor together. I think it's easier to build around him. But that's, listen. I got you. Those are all conversations for another time. Jamel, are we are we going to have you back? Like, when you come through Atlanta, you can come in the studio and get down with your boys. I mean, you know, we know you got a lot of other obligations, but you got to hold <laughs> out some space for your boys next time you come through Absolutely. Here. For you two, uh, anytime. Plus, I just relish any opportunity to tell – to tell Vince why he's wrong. Ah, uh, whatever, yes. Vic Yes. It's all good, though. Jamel Hill, hey, thank you for joining us, Jamel. It's good to talk to you. Good to hear your voice. All right, guys. Thank you. All right, thank Jay. You. Vince, I feel good knowing I'm not the only one who has to uh, scold you on occasion. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I mean, but 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 seriously, I mean, that was a, that uh, when you first when you first you know made that Dwight Howard point, I thought you were crazy. But the way you explain it, I def now nah, I definitely agree with you. Yes. I mean, it it's very it his his skill set is so unique in the NBA in terms of the way he you know just holds down the paint, and and there are so many high caliber perimeter players in the NBA that yeah, I would say that he besides. LeBron, yeah. I would say that, yeah, he's probably the easiest player to build around. That's a good point. Seth. Prime example, a lot of people talk about this is, you remember, I don't know if you remember this, Micah Hart, our producer, might remember this as well. There was a time when people made jokes like, who's going to play with Kobe? Like, who would want to go play with Kobe? Mm-hmm. Turns out, Paul Gasol and Lamar Odom, and they and they play rather well together. We're going to see how they do around our test this year, but I think there are always these questions lingering about a guy until he proves us wrong. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't, then we could have a show talking about Trace McGrady. But anyway, you know, <laughs> you yeah. want to get you want to get these questions answered, and really the only way to do that you can do that, Vince, mm-hmm. is to get these guys in a situation like I thought last year during the conference finals mm-hmm. and, and making it to the NBA finals was a huge step for Dwight Howard. The problem I have with Dwight right now is I haven't seen another leap. Like this season, I was yeah. expecting him to come back absolutely more serious, maybe more of a dog in him, you know, more of that Debo attitude. And I, di- I haven't seen it. I mean, I watched him here against the Hawks recently, and yeah. I didn't see that 
dominant, like, I'm not letting my team lose. Yeah. Get on my back. Let's do this. See, if, if LeBron had that strand in his DNA, then I think that, I mean, there's a possibility that we would be, you know, talking about him in, over LeBron in terms of being, you know, a player that, that you can build around. Um, but that that's definitely a flaw. I mean, I I don't I don't want to you know make it sound too pejorative, but that that's kind of like a character flaw um, with him and his game. That I'm hoping you know I mean we're six years in now. I'm hoping he he turns the corner and becomes that guy. If Dwight Howard becomes that guy, I mean that's scary. Yeah, I mean it's frightening. Again though, if you have any interest in some moonlighting work and want to get in the life coach business. You got the speech down. I mean, you, you already <laughs> analyzed this dude's flaws. You got his whole I – mean, you got it mapped out. Life back coach, you baby. I'll back you up. Dr. Vince, what's Dr. up? Dr. V. Dr. V. Listen, we're going to sw- switch gears, Vince. Yeah. And, uh, you know, recently we had a chance, uh, the the privilege and the luxury to sit down and uh, chat with Charlie Murphy of Chappelle <laughs> Show Infinite, which wow. was fabulous. I mean, wow. it was a great time. Um, was, that, was that conversation not funny? Oh, it was it was ridiculous. I'm I'm not. I mean, it took me like two days to stop laughing at the little stuff he was saying because I had to think about it after I listened back to him. Like, did this dude really say this? You know? Did he just say right? Exactly. Yeah. Like, is he serious? But uh, this is a treat that you got to hear, and uh, you have to bear with us uh, every 26 seconds on the uh, this recording we did on a conference call. Uh, somebody kept trying to pick the phone up, and we couldn't figure out who it was. Turns out it was Dave Chappelle. He was at Charlie Murphy's crib while we were doing the interview and wanted to get a little shiny. You know, he's yeah. been hiding out for a while. But yeah, it had a sounding on bootleg, right? <laughs> but it's it's worth because we tried out a new we tried out a new feature. Yeah, you know it's, what I'm it's worth so, checking out. I mean, yeah. the podcast is expanding. We're doing some different things. Yeah, work we, in uh, progress, for, yeah, um, um, definitely, listeners. Definitely, we're trying to trying to get our feet you know underneath us and do this thing right. But we we like to experiment a little bit, so. Enjoy a little bit of this and uh, see what you think of Charlie Murphy. Yeah. Charlie, on, what's man? going on? Okay. Hey, how you doing, man? I'm all right, man. It's, it's, it's sunny out today. It's been raining for two days straight. <laughs> I ain't got nothing to complain about, man. <laughs> where, 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 where are, you, are you in New York right now or L.A. or what? I'm in New Jersey. So, you know, okay. we've been taking the beating over here with bad weather. Jersey, right? right. You, the, Charlie, the first thing, the, fir- the first thing I think about when I hear your voice, and I, I was watching um, CP4 uh, the other day, um, which I, I believe was sort of like your, your debut in like a, a big Hollywood film as, as that character Gusto. I always think that Fifty Cent stole your cadence and the tone of your voice. Has anyone ever so- told you that Fifty Cent sounds like you? Yeah, I've heard that before. You sound like now, I think he stole. I just think that. Uh... The way he told, he got shot in his mouth, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you I'm didn't get about. shot in your mouth, so what's up? God, I was shot in the mouth by God. He okay. gave me his voice. That's what's you. up. I feel you. Biddy's voice was, Biddy's voice was, is the result of um, the injury, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. I just absolutely. naturally talk like this. That's what I'm talking so about. If you want to talk like Charlie Murphy, let's go get shot in the face. <laughs> you can stand just like me. <laughs> Hey Charlie, all of, all of the stuff you've done over the years, man. What what sticks out is like your the the most fun you had in terms of making films or making you know doing television or or what have you. What was the most fun you ever had? I would have to say all night because you know, film you know, man, Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, Red Fox, 
Della Reese, Robin Harris. I mean, you know, that's legend. That's all. That's all legendary talent. You know, to be in the midst of that and be hanging out with that for two two months straight, making a film. That was that was you know, you know, gets no better than that, man. Right. Do you ever get tired? I would assume not, but do you ever get tired of talking about uh, Chappelle, the Chappelle show? Like, you know, people coming up to you asking you about Rick James, the Prince, or, or whomever? No, not at all. Oh, well, that's good, because I'm about There's to ask you one thing you I understand Prince. about being famous. No matter how famous you think you are, no matter how famous you may be, mm-hmm. uh, there's still people that don't know don't know nothing about you. True. At any given moment, you could be, you know, you could be, on the phone, on the, be an interview like this, or you do an interview with Esther Print or whatever, and someone who's never heard of you before may decide to read that. Mm-hmm. So that's giving them a reference, a tie-in right there, the Chappelle show, you know, that they, they may know that. So, it's, you know, you never want to shed that. That's, that. that's part of your skin. No doubt. Well, then let me ask you about Prince then. Now, come on, Charlie. Prince is like, what, four or five? He can really ball? Hey, yo, man, do you remember Muggsy Bowles? Yeah, I remember Muggsy. Uh, you remember Spud Webb? Yeah. Uh, you, you ever hear Nate Ravis? <laughs> I heard it. But, but Charlie, they're athletes, man. Prince, you know, Prince, Prince is, is an athlete too, man. We, 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 yeah, come on, man. Look, look, look. You ever seen? You ever seen any of them jump off a twelve foot speaker with pumps on? <laughs> <laughs> Prince is an athlete too, right? Yeah. Right. That. Prince is an athlete. Let's yeah, be, yeah. let's be, let's be, you know, you ever want to want to print the shows back in the day and see the energy you put into the show? Mm-hmm. Definitely an athlete, man. And it just translated over to the court. That had to be, that that had to be one of the, one of the all-time um, great skits on the ship. But you, do you get more, you get more love for that or for the Rick James? Uh, the Rick James, man. That's the one that everyone, <laughs> they like all of them, but that's the one that they like the most, you know, so. You know, that's the one we get the most callbacks from, you know. Which one? Happy Couch, Rick y- James. Right. You know, Did y'all know when y'all were filming that stuff, Charlie? Know. Huh? Did y'all know when y'all were filming it that y'all were opening up a whole new audience to, to not only Rick James but yourself and and that whole era, uh, you know, in Hollywood and music? You, you, never, you never know when you're doing something like that. You know, you never know. In advance, and I think if you didn't know in advance, you'd mess it up. You know, <laughs> it's just something that happened. You know, the stars lined up right. Everyone did it, did it, said the right. Because you as a stand-up comedian, I know the sentence, a sentence can be changed by the, the tone of one word in the sentence can make the difference of whether or not the joke is uh, perceived a certain way you want it to be perceived. You know, mm-hmm. so everybody said the right thing at the right time and gave the right look. I mean, all those things. It just lined up, and we came up with, you know, we came out with that, and everyone remembers it, and I'm, you know, I'm humbled by it, man. Well, Charlie, which one sort of like um, slipped by him? You know, like for instance, you know, you're an artist, and if you if you flip it over to the to the the music side of things, a lot of times an artist will come out with an album, and you know they'll they'll love you know a couple songs, but the fans take to you know, some other songs that end up blowing up, going platinum, you know, get them nominated for Grammys or whatever. So your, your, your Hollywood, your true Hollywood stories blew up for you, but was there one skit that you were in that when you look back on, on the show, you say, man, that like, for me, that was it. No, there was no one sketch where I look back and say, for me, even the Rick James sketch, I had fun doing all of them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The atmosphere was pure fun. 
you're working with one of the funniest spirits on the planet. You know, that's inspiring. Laughter is infectious. You know, and when he, he, he would get everybody else going, man. He would bring the best out of everybody else because of the stuff that he was saying. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It was so funny. It would make everybody else around him funny as well. Yeah, have you kicked it with Chappelle lately? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I stand in touch with him. He's dangerous for him, I guarantee you, my I got my favorite, uh, my favorite character, TV character of all time has to be Quills Dinkins. Um, <laughs> I, I put that on just to laugh for myself every night, man. I'm picking my, through my own front door and pulling one of them moves. I heard you do a good Quills, yeah. Quills Dinkins. Uh, say cool hit him. <laughs> no, you can't you can't embarrass yourself trying to do it for the man. But but Charlie, let me ask you about the relationship, and and I know that. The, the True Hollywood Stories and the, the sk- sketch with Prince really hit on how interlinked basketball and Hollywood and, and all of that is together, man. Is that something that's, that's bigger than Hollywood in terms of guys come into the game knowing, you know, that you basketball fans at heart? Or was that something where you rubbing shoulders with these guys and it kind of develops even greater? Now, basketball is, you know, the number one sport in America, man. So, and, and so we all love basketball. I didn't even realize that when we was doing the French sketch, I didn't even realize it was going to connect on that level. Like, everybody, like, most basketball fans are going to get a kick out of this, you know? I didn't even think of it that way. But that's the way it worked out, you know? Um, we all, and I don't know too many people that didn't think they was good at you know, they was little. Mm-hmm. <laughs> basketball is just that type of sport in America. And, you know, to have a story that happens to be true, it also happens to be funny. It happens to be about someone that we all know. And it's involving a sport that we all love. I guess when you added it all up, man, it was a, it's a potent concoction. Right. You, you People come... love that French story, and nobody believes that Prince could ball. But <laughs> like I tell everyone, you know, if you don't believe me, it's not like Prince is hiding. He'll go tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I'm going to walk up to Prince, Charlie. It's not like, say, it's man, not like he's hard to find <laughs> mm-hmm. Let me let me ask you this though. Um, you grew up in, in Brooklyn, Bushwick, to be exact, correct? Right, right, right. Okay, so I mean, did, were, were you were you on the playgrounds all the time, or, or, or what? Oh yeah, playgrounds. We used to do a lot of walking. You know, it was a big deal to walk from Brooklyn to Queens. You know, mm-hmm. we walked past all these, all these different people's homes and you know different things. It felt like we was doing something. Or, you know, back, back then you could ride on the back of a bus, you know. <laughs> where you ball- Jump on the back and hit your ride. Where, where, where you balling, though? Like, were you playing basketball at these playgrounds? No, I, I used to go to the playground and rob people. I'm not going to front. You know, I'm laughing, but I know that's not a joke. I'm just, I, I'm, 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 I'm telling you the real. It's funny now because, you know, I gave it all up, you know what I'm saying? But I was little, man, you know. I wasn't good in basketball. I was good at fighting. So that translating into thuggery. Yeah. I mean, if you get a fight and you don't go to the Olympics, then where are you going to use your skills at? On the street. <laughs> you got to use them at the park on the basketball court. On the, you know, use them at different, you know. I was, I was, in the, I was, I was uh, Dennis the Menace, man. You I know? can I can imagine. Uh, and I think a lot of young black men end up as Dennis the Menace simply because it ain't really too much for us to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, in, in, in our communities, a lot of the uh, programs and stuff that 
that would keep a kid busy just so they don't exist, you know. So that's when you become mischievous, you know. Mm-hmm. So some, some I was no different, man. Yeah. Somewhere in the streets, but the, but I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, the guys that were big into basketball at that time stayed off the streets. You know, they always say, like, you know, some of these athletes um, they like want to walk dude, around like that. The, the, the guys on the team they had letters on their jersey, you know, I mean, letters on their jacket. Yeah. They did not like me, man. <laughs> did you, did you leave them alone, or were you robbing them, too? Nah, we didn't mess with them. That's what I thought. Right. Hey, hey, Charlie. Nobody messes with the jocks. They, those guys are in shape, you know what I mean? So, you know. <laughs> well, listen. You already 14 smoking cigarettes. You ain't messing with some <laughs> jocks. <laughs> well, who is your team now? Like, who is the team that you follow in the NBA today? Who? What's the team you watching? Who Who are the teams and players got, that, that get you teams. watching? Orlando Magic. And Boston Celtics. I like both of them. Come on. Come on. Come on, Charlie. You like the C's, man? Yeah, man. Why? I like my man KG. I, okay, I feel you. I'm riding with KG. KG is, is, is you know, is official. I'm riding with him, man. Not too many people from New yeah. York like the Celtics. Well, I'm not, you know, basically the type of individual that does what everybody else is doing just because everybody else is doing it. Mm-hmm. If I don't want to do it, I do something oh. different. That's the reason why I became famous as a comedian. And most people would never have taken the chance of, you know, giving them a shot and, and given the same circumstance. They'd be like, hey, wait a minute. I'm Eddie Murphy's brother. People think of me as that. I'm, I'm not a young dude, like 18 or whatever. My brother did this 30 years ago. Who am I to think that I could be successful? I'm not going to do it, but I don't think like that. And, and, and as a result, I am successful at doing something that seemed like couldn't be done. Yeah, absolutely. I got, I, got, I got another question for you, Charlie. You said you like the magic. Now, I'm I'm going to head back to CB4 again. <laughs> Gusto. Now, you know, for, for for those that, you know, for those listening that, that, that don't know about Gusto and CB4, Charlie Murphy played the real Gusto, who was a hoodlum. Real Gusto. You know what I'm saying? He was the real Gusto. It means pleasure. Say that again. Gusto means pleasure. Yeah, it, oh, Gusto means pleasure. Okay, thank you. For that. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie was the real Gusto, and then Chris Rock stole his identity while Gusto was in jail, and Chris Rock created this rap persona that you know, so you know, got came across big money. Then Gusto got out of jail and got at Chris. So I want to ask you, Charlie, being an Orlando Magic fan. Knowing that Shaq was the first Superman of the NBA, had Superman on his on the hood of his car, Superman tattoos, Superman everything. Now Dwight Howard comes ten, fifteen years later and has adopted that Superman, um, you know, sort of persona. He's in commercials with Superman. He's doing the Soldier Boy Superman dance with a cape on at, at the dunk contest. I'm just wondering from you, playing the role of Gusto, if you think that. Dwight Howard is out of pocket for adopting no. another man. I think, I think what he's doing is paying homage. To, remember, you, you had Superman one, Superman two, <laughs> son of Superman. You just go forever and ever with it. You know, it's a, it, basically they done established a bloodline. We had two Superman after when, when Dwight Howard gets to about you know twenty nine, thirty years old. Mm-hmm. He'll probably be turning up another one, Superman three. To be somebody who, who right now. So you you don't think Shaq has any reason to be a little perturbed that 
that there's another Superman, just like gut, just know. like when you got out of jail, you were trying I'm, to get that Chris Rock as well. Shaggy, that kind of person, man. I feel you. I don't know Shaq. We, we was in, uh, when he was playing for Phoenix, he came to the show, and when the show was over, we hung out. It was real funny because the dressing room I was in, I think the ceiling was like five foot, no, <laughs> ceiling was like six three. It was not six three, man. Ceiling. So they said Shaq is waiting for you in the dressing room. Okay. It looked like Shaq was folded up, man. <laughs> if somebody put him on a hanger and fold him over the hanger. He was standing the room looked really little like it was somebody who played a cruel joke. <laughs> hey Charlie we hung out. It was fun. We had fun, man. I believe Shaq is a fun dude, so is Dwight Howard. Charlie, everybody knows where they can see you, uh, you know, on DVD and that sort of thing these days, man. But I, I happen to see your name on the credits of our family wedding, and uh, you're doing so much different stuff, man. Where can we see you now in terms of uh, catching you at a comedy show or, or something like that? Where can people find you now? Well, I'm getting ready to do Virginia Beach this weekend. I'm going to be down there at the, uh, Funny Bone. And then April 1st, I'm getting together with a few of my friends, D.L. Usley, Kevin Hart, and myself, and we're going to do a show over at Madison Square Garden. That's murderous, bro. April 1st, baby. Wow. So I have a question for you. You're speaking of, you know, Madison Square Garden, um, Mm -hmm. which gets us to like a basketball thing. The Leroy Smith character is hilarious. (laughs) I mean, thank you, man. I appreciate that, man. I had so much fun doing that, man. And the biggest thrill about it was, you know, when it was all over, because I knew it was for Jordan Brands and everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess because, you know, my brother or whatever, I don't know who my brother is, Michael Jordan didn't show up around. You know, it wasn't like, yeah, you got this job working for Michael Jordan's company, and I went and met Jordan. You know, it was like, you got the job working, and let's, do, let's go through the piece. So we went and did the piece, and then after it was edited, then I met Michael Jordan. <laughs> then I met Michael Jordan. And I felt good about that because I was like, yo, man, you know, I did a good job. But I knew that if I would have did a bad job, I would have never got to meet Mike. <laughs> How was he? How was he in prison? It like, check your check and just walk out the back door. It was a good look, man. Mike was fun, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We posted some pictures together, and I got to meet uh, Phil Knight and all the execs over at Nike. had a big, uh, it was, I think it was the, the uh, 25th anniversary of him being with the company. It was a blast, man. That's big. You didn't rob anyone, did you? I didn't do what? You didn't rob anyone, did you? You didn't stick them up. Nah, they paid me well, man. <laughs> they well was unnecessary, you know? I had so much dough. It was like, we feed a lion. They don't think about eating eating a, for a while, you know? They, they lay down, you know, scratch their stomach, digest their <laughs> meal, you know? Okay. I was mm-hmm. in the same frame of mind. I was digesting my meal. Yeah. <laughs> Say? Well, Charlie, listen, we uh, we definitely uh, uh, are loving all of the characters, man, and uh, and loving what you're doing. And uh, hey, man, but listen, I heard you earlier say that everybody knows where to go get the DVD, and everybody does it. So I want to make sure they do. Go to Walmart, Blockbuster, uh, Amazon.com, uh, uh, YouTube. I mean, I mean, not YouTube, but um, Amazon.com and uh, iTunes. Yeah. And you can get the Charlie Murphy DVD. Charlie Murphy, I not apologize. It debuted number one on Comedy Central. It debuted number one when it was released. And I want to say thank you to everybody that bought it. 
And thank you to everybody who's thinking about buying them because it's a good DVD. That's what's up. We got to get you, uh, when you come through Atlanta, man, we got to get you to come in and hang out with us. So in the studio. You know, Are you doing your thing, man? We really appreciate friends. you coming on. And, and I've been blessed, you know, because I also always give big, 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 big love to YouTube. YouTube, man. YouTube made it so I could go over to Europe and all these other places that, you know, you wouldn't have been able to go unless you had a a running TV show, like something that was on over there, you know. And how many shows you get on the air here actually run in the foreign countries? You know, only only the, the best of the best. But because of YouTube, you know, you could do uh, a three-minute bit from your set. And, you know, it, it, people over in, in, in Spain watching it, now you over there doing the show. That's a great thing, man. Yeah, that's what's up. Charlie Murphy, man, we appreciate you coming through and joining us on the Hang Time Podcast, man. Hey, I, I appreciate you thinking about me and inviting me on, man. And uh, I can play basketball a little bit. Okay. <laughs> we, we're not doubting you. We ain't doubting you now. Yeah. All right, brother. All right. Thank All right, you. Charlie. Take care. Thanks. All right. There you have it. Charlie Murphy of Chappelle Show fame and, and doing his stand-up thing now. Uh, joined us here on the Hang Time Podcast, making this thing really, really crazy. Uh, we want to thank both Charlie Murphy and Jamel Hill of ESPN.com and ESPN for joining us today uh make sure you come back and check us out you can catch us on itunes uh don't forget about that you can now get the hang time podcast on itunes also you can follow us at hang time podcast on twitter uh so make sure you keep up with your boys and we'll see you next time